Hi friends, this is JFET. Whether you're around the corner or across the world, welcome to The Daily Walk. I want you to take a moment today to pause in Jesus and see what new thing could take place in your life. At the end of this podcast, you can download our app, Boulder Church, or visit us online at boulder.church to connect. And remember, we would love to hear from you as we prepare for our messages every Saturday morning on The Daily Walk. It's Wednesday, June 20th. Good morning. Welcome to Daily Walk. I'm Becky de Oliveira. And I'm Jafet de Oliveira. Jafet, you are the praying person. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, I'm the praying person. And I am person. the reading person. Yeah, indeed. So let's do that, shall we? Yes. All right. Heavenly Father, before we open up your word, we ask for your spirit to uh, give us good wisdom, uh, give us good insight, uh, give us good, give a clear mind uh, with everything that's going on in our lives, whatever happened this morning, uh, maybe just be able to just be still for a second, uh, listen to the word be spoken, and uh, may it enter into our hearts and transform us in Jesus' precious and beautiful name. Amen. Amen. We are reading from Romans 3, verses 9 through 20. We're back in the English Standard Version today. Mm. No one is righteous. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin, as it is written. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. All right. Okay, so that just kind of popped out to me this time that maybe the main point is this idea that that the purpose of the law is to make you realize that you're sinful, which that is useful. Yeah, because otherwise you you might just kind of bop along and think that you're doing fine. Which is which is actually what God has articulated many times and encouraged people to think about throughout the Bible that that He does He He lets us know things so that we may repent and come back to Him rather than he's, like, doing things to us to, yeah. kind of like, hurt us. He's actually like, I want you just to come home. Come home, live a better life. Although I still maintain that the majority uh-huh. of the Ten Commandments are not super difficult to follow and that the majority of people probably follow I actually think that a lot them, of people do follow most the Ten of Commandments. Them. Yeah. With I think a people, couple of exceptions. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people... I think it'd be weird if people actually... I think it'd be kind of fun maybe Now, what do you think the most difficult to do what? To follow them? No, no. (laughs) Like, that would be fun. (laughs) We could try that. No. I mean... Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, we should try. What what would be fun? I think what would be fun to try and find out, like, to ask people to rephrase the Ten Commandments. Maybe this is a fun exercise to do. Oh, like what they think they mean. and, and, And do they follow them? And to rephrase them, like, hey, do you do these things, right? Hey, yeah, you could rephrase them in As such a, a way that you definitely follow them. And then see how many people actually out there like, oh, yeah, I do all these ten things. And uh-huh. they're like, no way, I follow the Ten Commandments. I mean, just be Well, I'm sure fun. everybody has at least one that's a super difficult one. Remember. Well, it feels in a way probably, I don't know, which one would I be think the, actually Probably Sabbath. one like coveting. Things. That could be kind of difficult, mean, mm. depending on what you mean by covet. Uh, 
Depends what you mean by covet. Well, yeah. Whether See, isn't that the fun thing though? Well, yeah. You say it's like so it's simple, not, right? And then and then somebody not actually simple, has to write six hundred rules as to how to explain. Well, and I mean, I those. talk about the bearing false witness one that I don't know whether yeah. that literally means to tell an, an untrue statement or to yeah. stand on the witness stand and point the finger at somebody and say, "I saw that man on the corner of Fourth and Mapleton on." Such and such. By the way, I did. Fourth get a Mapleton message. is where the church is. I, yeah. I just said that. I don't even know. <laughs> wow. By the way, I did get a message uh, when we were doing that daily podcast, you know, last week, and I forgot to mention this to you that somebody did send me uh, uh, a text, uh, and they said to me, "There are times that you should say a lie, and that's when your wife asks you <laughs> if if you if she looks fat in this dress." And and that oh, was no. yeah Someone they did didn't do they that. did they did and yeah. I and they when said do I ever ask whether I look fat well, in a dress? Well, you don't, but um, but you know that's you know there you go. But anyway, and so. I also I don't like the assumption that a man would have to lie in that situation. The idea being that the wife definitely looks fat in the dress. No, that's definitely not the. That, that is what is implied. Say, he was not saying that at all. I think he was though. No, and I'm not going to say his name. Oh, you better not. No, <laughs> my goodness, I don't even want to know. Actually, <laughs> man, it's a good thing I didn't say his name. It that was a good thing, but yeah, you can see where. It could be weird. Okay, do we all have right. do we have a question here yes, today, we do. or are we just going to ramble? How, I don't help. I hope it's not rambling. Sorry. How can you avoid defining yourself by comparing yourself with others? And instead, let Jesus define you. How can you avoid defining yourself by comparing yourself with others? And instead, let Jesus define you. Although yesterday we talked about that we actually need to compare ourselves with hmm. others. How do you avoid so things? So we'd, we'd argue you avoid things by this, right? avoiding them. Uh-huh. No, I wouldn't. I was just thinking that because I understand the question and I understand the intent behind it. Yeah, the I idea know what you're saying, yeah. of comparing yourself the way that she's thinking about it is this kind of destructive spiral. Exactly. Um, and I think the way that we were looking, I think she would agree with us that there are instances where it can be a useful thing that yeah. you, that we need to do it, that human beings, I find it counterproductive to constantly be talking about things that we shouldn't do that seem to be second nature to the way that we are. It's hmm. like if we do these things, then maybe there's a reason that we do these things. You mean like... Maybe we've like been people, created you know, to do these things like if instead of shaming drugs. people constantly. I don't specifically mean <laughs> drugs, but um, like I think it's natural maybe for people to try to mitigate pain that they feel. So I think oh, I see how you rather than okay. just, um, I don't know, condemning people for what they do, why not try to think about, well, why is it? Is there... A That's positive, is there a true. kind of a healing aspect yeah. to why we do the things that we do? So is there anything redemptive about trying to compare ourselves? If we're going to do it, then you could at least think of a way to do it where it's not a negative thing. Because yes. some things you, you can't, yes. I don't know that we can stop. We are social creatures. We live, we define ourselves in terms of how we relate to other people, whether we are rejected, whether we are accepted, whether kind of where we fit into the pack. Am I in the top 10% in my class or my in the bottom, mm. you know, that determines the way that people treat me, the way that I think about myself. I don't think that we can completely get rid of that. No, but I think, I think you make a good point that if, if you can be the kind of person that actually recognizes this, that's actually really yeah. helpful. Right. So like, like I was sitting down with a couple the other day and they were talking about uh, some things that they know about each other. And I think just knowing that about yourself really is helpful. Well, yeah. So I think if you know that you actually do compare yourself and you actually say this out loud, 
you actually articulate mm-hmm. it and you recognize that you do this thing, then you're not just doing it and, and allowing it to actually shape you. Because she's, Pastor Jessica's right that we should allow Jesus to be the one who really shapes us and defines us, which is what Paul is saying in this text here where he says, look, you guys are off cue. You're mm. off, off base here. And, and in particular, um, he's, he actually tries to break this down. And I, I, I really think that this text really does answer. And we, we should come back to your original question that you had a few days ago, uh, where you said that he was really out of order by making such a bleak quote here of well, all these different texts. I didn't say it was texts. out of order so much <laughs> as I'm questioning the accuracy, the of, accuracy the of it. Yes. Well, he's stringing all of these verses together because he's trying to build a case. Uh, and the case is, is that there's a lot of people who feel that they are super holy and they are they're perfectly fine. And he's saying, look, no one, if you look at verse 11, he says, no one seeks God and no one does good in verse 12, right? So there's this parallel, two very striking hard sentences there that are really difficult for us to process. Then he goes in verses 13 and 14, talks about the throat and the mouth, He's talking about our, our words that we use. And he says the way that we speak about each other is really out of order. And he says you've got to be careful about how you speak about each other. Then he talks about the feet and the way that we move. And he says even the way that our relationships, our paths, the, the, the communities we live in, you guys are messing up all that kind of stuff. And so all these, these string of texts he pulls together is very bleak, but he's saying it affects everything. And then he says... There's no fear of God before their eyes because he comes back to the beginning idea in verse 11. No one's seeking God. And this is a big problem. Well, I think, okay, you know how this is supposed to be? It's supposed to be something where we're to think of it as if it's directed at us and not at other people. Mm. Because then we will be more, because if it's directed at other people, we'd think, yeah, that's right. You tell them. I like that. But my, my reaction is that when I read it, I am thinking of it as being directed at other people. And I feel defensive toward those other people. And what it reminds me of is the time, the 12 years that I lived with you in England, where people constantly said, you know, Americans are fat, Americans are stupid, and Americans are... And I never, generally, I won't say never, but generally speaking, the defensiveness that I Mm. felt was not about myself, Mm. but it was about all the other Americans Mm -hmm. that I felt were being maligned. Mm -hmm. And with this, it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm all of these things. Mm. You know, that's possible. But I know people who aren't. Yes. That's the thing. Yes. I know people who I'm like, no way would I describe them this way. I feel defensive on their behalf reading this. Yeah. So I wonder, is that supposed to be part of what, is he doing this intentionally to make us feel? Because you bond with people when you want to defend them. The people that you stick up for, hmm. that creates I want, I wonder something, if that, I wonder if that's, you know, just psychologically. No, I wonder if that's actually something inside there. I think that Paul's intent, though, so far, and that's actually a really great idea, and I think we should take note of that because that's a that's a deep parallel thought that could be inside the text, and it could be drawn inside that. But we that we need to think about because I think that's that's actually really possible. He clearly recognizes that people don't have a passion for God, and we have to wrestle through this because the lack of passion for God changes the way that we respond uh, to God. So. Hey, our time is up, uh, so let me just repeat the question for you. You think about this today. Uh, how can you avoid defining yourself by comparing yourself with others and instead let Jesus define you? Think about that. Uh, look after each other, live love, and we'll connect tomorrow. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Daily Walk podcast today. Hey, if you remember, if you have any questions, reach out to us online at boulder.church. And if you can help support us, 
please feel free to give online at boulder.church forward slash give. Until next time, look after each other and live love.